0: Like we have this keen awareness and sense of the goodness of God, and that even in the tragicness of our um, the tragic nature of um, where we've been, that there's still this beautiful story that's being um, poured out, and that's been another beautiful thing.
1: Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today's guests have traveled long stretches of despair and loss. But today they're embracing what God has next for them. Pastor and author, Jonathan Pitts, and entrepreneur, John Hill. First up, Jonathan Pitts has had a whirlwind year, weeks after celebrating 15 years of marriage with his wife, Winter. On a warm summer night in 2018, 38-year-old Winter Evans Pitts passed away unexpectedly in her sleep. Winter left behind a family of four girls and a thriving ministry and writing career. Today, Jonathan shares about his life with Winter, including their final book they wrote together called Emptied, and how God is still using her creative spirit to minister to others.
0: My name is Jonathan Pitts, and I'm currently an executive pastor at Church of the City, which is a church in Franklin, Tennessee. It's a family of churches; there are about six churches total. And um, I married my wife, Winter Danielle Evans, and um, we've been met, we were married 15 years. I also serve as president of For Girls Like You, and it's a nonprofit organization that's um, right now growing out of. What was just a heart desire for her, um, for our girls. So that's me. If you saw me, you wouldn't know it, but I'm, uh, I look African-American, I'm brown-skinned, but my mom is German and my parents met at a place called Apple Farm, which was an old music school in New Jersey that my dad kind of grew up around and worked at. And my dad, this uh, pretty big African-American dude, fell in love with this German, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, Midwestern girl, and, um, Uh, The rest is history. They're married uh, over, I think, 42, 43 years now and have five children. I have a twin brother, identical twin brother. I have three sisters. My parents being rooted in their own identity was the key that kind of got us through because they basically shared that our identity, although it included our race, had nothing to do with our race. Our identity was much deeper than that. Like who we were as people was much deeper than that. And so anytime that ever surfaced as an issue or a question, whether it be middle school or high school or wherever – Um, their assurance of their identity and their ability to kind of um, cascade that down to us was a huge difference maker. And I struggled some with identity growing up because I never felt like I fit in fully um, with my white family. I never felt like I I felt like I fully fit in with my black family. I was somewhere in between. Um, But ultimately um, their hard work and labor in teaching us that our identity was not in either in a race or anything else. That's really just something that just a part of who you are um, was was a, Definitely a helpful thing. And now what's beautiful for me is I, I get to actually be a person that gets to share that message because I'm secure in who I am as well. And so that's how I grew up. Grew up in a Christian home. My parents um, love the Lord. And that's all I knew. I always say that my testimony is that I've tasted and seen that God is good. I fell into managing uh, in the Christian entertainment space. I managed a guy named Anthony Evans Jr., who's a singer and songwriter and managed his music career for about seven years. But I fell into it. He needed somebody to travel with him on the road. And so I'd travel with him from Dallas, where we had moved, to Gainesville, Texas, and all these random little towns where we were starting his career, and that would just grow. So, Winter and I met in college. I remember uh, walking out of my dorm uh, and seeing this girl walk by me, and I didn't know who she was, but she was beautiful to me. And uh, so, two weeks after we graduated from college, and uh, June 27, 2003, we would walk the aisle and get married. And um, we'd be married for 15 years and 27 days. And what's beautiful is, I didn't know the gem that I was marrying then. Like, I didn't know how how much I was upgrading at that point. It would take me kind of years to discover um, just the level of woman that I married. Physically, um, Winter, uh, all of her life, uh, she had two conditions. One was um, a heart murmur, which is it's called mitral valve prolapse. It's super common. It's not like, at this point, not that big of a deal to have. And then she also had what was called Factor five Leiden, Leiden, which was a blood clotting disorder. And those two things kind of work together to always keep her at the cardiologist. And so at the, we were at the cardiologist every year, um, once a year and they basically told her every year your heart looks fine it's not it's not growing you might need a heart valve replacement eventually but for now like you're good if there's any regret that i've had that i have kind of in a 15-year 27-day marriage it's not realizing much sooner what i had in her and what i like to say is that i look at our marriage in three three phases the first five years were us just realizing that we were just two imperfect people, two broken people that were bringing our brokenness into our marriage. And we had all these expectations. We drug in even um, just our own issues into our marriage. And so the first five years was discovering that those things were there and present and having to make a decision about whether or not we were going to love each other and and stay married to each other and work through those and work through those issues. The second uh, The second set of five years was really us making a decision and digging our heels in to say, okay, We've come in with this baggage we've come in with our history we come in with all these expectations and we're going to live an intentional marriage and an intentional life of laying those things down and emptying ourselves of those things and that last third um, of life together not only did we w- would i we consider each other best friends but i'd also uh we'd work in ministry together uh, we'd launched our ministry together and we'd write together and we'd, we'd you know be raising our girls together in a way um that was just beautiful. And so I'm grateful we just had this progression. And I think that's really, honestly for me, like the beautiful thing of our marriage wasn't that it was perfect, but it was progressional. And because we were intentional as a couple that we had progression in terms of our love for each other, our relationship with each other. And we just grew in depth um, together. And so I'm just grateful for that. But on July 24th, 2018, she was writing her last book. And um, I was finishing up my last week at the Urban Alternative, the organization that I'd run for the last seven years. When I came home from work. Um, we had actually already sold our house in Dallas. We'd already moved to Nashville, and we were staying at her cousin's house. Priscilla, she had uh, a house that she had moved out of that was still furnished. So we were staying there, and um, she texted me and said, "I don't feel good, but I really need you to step up tonight because I need to get this book done." So I knew that she was just wanting to get this book done, kind of had that deadline on her, and so I just came home. It was a normal night for us in the sense that, you know, in the summertime, like when our kids are home and we're working, um, she would have like this. Um, need to just kind of lay down for a little bit. So she went and laid down. I came home, I cooked dinner and I knew she was going to write that night. And so, uh, she laid down and I prepared dinner and, uh, I went in the room and said, Hey, babe, do you want to eat? She's like, no, I just think I need to lay here a little bit longer. And so I went back out, finished dinner. And, um, basically the bottom line is as she was taking a nap, she had some sort of a, um, a heart rhythm issue and that heart rhythm issue would basically, um, give give her an irregular heartbeat that wouldn't be sustainable to sustain your life but what i'd love to think about for her is um that she really left this earth as peacefully as uh, she lived in it Uh, she her heart stopped like in a moment and her brain would have stopped receiving oxygen and um she left the earth in a hurry and although i didn't get to say goodbye to her in some ways i'm really i think grateful for that because um you know like to know that she didn't really suffer and that she would just leave um with very little pain and ease just makes me feel really, really thankful. David served the purposes of God for his generation and then he fell asleep. And I just had this like certainty about the fact that Winter served the purposes of of God for her generation before she fell asleep. So like spiritually speaking, I believe that's what happened, that Winter accomplished her mission and God called her home.
1: The day Jonathan laid winter to rest was one of the hardest in his life, but he found comfort in the pages of one of Sarah Young's devotionals, Jesus Always, when an old mentor sent him the July 29th entry. Jonathan reads it for us now.
0: I'm training with patient endurance. This lesson is not for the faint-hearted. However, it it is a rich blessing, one aspect of sharing in my kingdom and my suffering. Since my kingdom is eternal, it is of infinite value, and I've made it clear that sharing in my suffering is necessary for sharing in my glory. Moreover, this experience produces real benefits in the here and now, character. So make every effort to welcome the very problem you dread, Bring it into my presence with thanksgiving and acknowledge your willingness to endure it as long as I deem necessary. Ask me to take this dark, ugly thing and transform it into something lovely. I can weave bright, golden strands of glory into the most heart-wrenching situations. It may take a long time for the lovely pattern to emerge, but this waiting can build patience. Rejoice, beloved. I'm polishing your character till it shines with the light of my glory. And it was like, God was telling me directly, like I'm training you in patient endurance. So just hold on. And um, it was beautiful, beautiful. I'm one of the most pragmatic guys you'll probably ever interview. I remember thinking within hours of her passing away, like, okay, I got this. Like, not I got this, like things are going to be perfect, but I got this, like I can do this. Like almost like pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You got four girls to raise you got this, you've got that. So my mind went really pragmatic right away. And so one of the things my counselor said to me, he said, look, Jonathan, he's like, the bottom line is he's like, some people have a tendency to stay in the past and to belabor what they've lost. And other people have the tendency to run forward. And he's like, your tendency is to rush forward. And he's like, but, God exists in the present, so you need to remain in the present. That's the only place you can be with Him, and that's the only place you can really live and live in reality. And so for me, grieving well means living in the present and not trying to run down the road too far and think about, okay, what's next here? What's next there? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? So in a lot of ways, for me to grieve well has meant for me to intentionally slow down. And... The beautiful thing about him telling me that is I realized right away is that me doing that would allow my girls to grieve even better because with me being present, that allows me to be there for them. The beautiful thing for me, although I'm really pragmatic, I do like I've always valued what I've had in winter. And so like for me to talk about her, to talk about her life, like I love to honor her and What's funny about Winter is she was a creator. So she created her ministry for girls like you, and all of her writings were all out of this desire to create, and she never had a desire to carry on and manage ministry. And so for me, like the greatest honor I have is doing what I've always done for her, which is kind of be the backbone um, of um, her ministry and be the consistent non-creator voice in the background, just kind of pragmatically managing the things that need to keep going. And uh, what's beautiful is is that uh, her legacy is— rich and large and her magazine for girls like you and her writings her 10 books that she's written like all that gets to be carried on what's funny is you know we were doing all these resources for parents and we were doing that out of our own need as parents and the marriage book really came the same way like it was this this deep desire to honor god with our marriage that we feel like he gave us um but when our publisher asked us to consider writing it we were kind of not not that we weren't interested but we just didn't feel qualified and they basically said, Well, we don't want you to write a, a how to. We want you to write a, join us on the journey. Like, a, just write about your marriage. Like, you guys are real people. Write about the, you've already written about real stuff with your parenting journey. Like, can you do that with a marriage book? And so we prayed about it and we said, All right, we'll do that. And so it really was just our story. So it's been as hard as it's been. There's been a lot of sorrow, but there's been a ton of joy that's been coupled with it. And so I'm really grateful for that.
1: You can learn more about Winter and Jonathan's ministry, including their book, Emptied, at Four Girls Like You. Com. Stay tuned for our conversation with John Hill after a brief message about the 2019 CMA Fest television event. CMA Fest is proud to present a three-hour country music special hosted by Thomas Rhett and Kelsey Ballerini with special guest host Bobby Bones. Sunday, August 4th at 8 p.m., 7 p.m. Central. Four days of superstar performances with country favorites like Carrie Underwood, Tim McGraw, Rascal Flatts, Blake Shelton, and many more. You won't want to miss four days of these superstar performances jam packed into a three hour television event. Check it out on Sunday, August 4th at 8, 7 Central on ABC. For more information, visit cmafest.com.
0: During times of transition and unknown next steps, it's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for our special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com.
1: John Hill's energy is infectious. Talking to him today, you'd never know the man who built the Good Contractors List, a thriving business in Dallas, Texas, would have been at the end of his rope. After years of struggling with his faith and his purpose in the world, John felt defeated and hopeless. One freezing night in 2011, God gave John the ultimate choice—one that would change John's life forever.
2: My name is John Hill. I am the founder of the Good Contractors List in Dallas, Fort Worth. Uh, just a father and a husband and just your average guy that God's been using in, in a different kind of way. I've loved the Lord uh, since I was uh, a very small child. I was adopted at birth, um, raised in a in a small Pentecostal church, and pretty much was there every time the, the doors were open. We lived in a small town of Henrietta, Texas. And so I had I I had a very normal childhood though, um, and uh, uh, very protected, raised in church. By the time I reached my, my teens, you know I'd had I'd had such a wonderful relationship with God as a as a you know child, and I felt his presence and all that stuff. But whenever I really started thinking about sin. I realized that I was never going to live up to the potential that I was hearing at church. Some people have different experiences, but I'm I'm kind of this black and white thinker, it, it's a roller coaster. You, sometimes you're really good, and when you're on, you're on, and you're the, you know, I'm going to be a minister, I'm going to do all these things. Um, but when I was off, I decided I was off, and so um, as a teenager, I uh, I started kind of falling away from God, uh, realizing that. Um, you know, if, if it's if, if it's black or white, I, there's no way I'm ever going to make it to heaven. So I spent a lot of uh, time going in and out of relationship with God because it was all based on my own uh, flesh and my own what what I was able to accomplish in that time frame. Uh, I ended up being divorced three times. I never did keep a good job. It was just you know, after I got out of the Navy, I tried to get into sales and some different things and and um, could never get on my feet. Just different things happen. And then I would, then I would soar to the bottom. There's my roller coaster, highs and lows. And, um, back in 2011, um, I was, I was probably at one of my lowest points as far as feeling like I had any value to the world. I'm all but homeless. I'm living with my, my girlfriend that I had just met six months prior uh, online, and um, had been living with a friend before that because I'd lost my house after my third divorce. Uh, just, just a uh, uh, everything I owned fit inside my little two-door coupe car. I, I, it was, I had been, you know, I was just at the, at the bottom in my mind, and I remember just praying, God, will you just take me off this planet? I am so sick. Of being a disappointment in life, I'm just sick of it. I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. Will you just take me? And I prayed that for two months, February of 2011, um, he gave me that opportunity. And um, I, uh, I was outside smoking a cigarette, and I started feeling like, like this heaviness. There was a big freeze that hit uh, Dallas Fort Worth at that time around the Super Bowl, um, and it was uh, so nobody was getting around. It was frozen streets and all that. Um, but I, so I was, I was thinking it's probably, I shouldn't be smoking and I'm, you know, maybe it's, um, I'm starting to get pneumonia or something. I started coughing up fluid. Um, and that, and that's kind of gross, but it turned to blood. Um, so they admitted me to the hospital for pneumonia, um, about three o'clock in the morning after my family had already went home and, and everything. Um, I'm laying in the hospital, Try they're trying to give me this, these breathing treatments and it's, making things worse so the the doctor finally goes uh, says you know we need to do some more tests this doesn't look like pneumonia to me because apparently I'd had a massive heart attack hours before um, uh, and and now they are calling the cardiologist in it was going to take over an hour for him and his team to make it into the hospital because of the ice I don't think that they were expecting me to live I was like I feel like I might just fade out and go away You know? And uh, about that time, as I'm kind of thinking this, um, uh, the Lord spoke to me again, a very, very clear message. It was a simple question, John, do you want to stay or do you want to go? That that was it. And it was like, it's your choice. But I kind of felt in my heart that if I stayed, that, that I had a purpose. So I struggled with it because remember I'd been praying for a couple months really to, to die. I, I I didn't want to be here anymore. And here's my chance. I felt peace. I I didn't think it, it wasn't gonna hurt. I was just gonna fade out and I was gonna I was gonna be gone. But at that time I was still kind of questionable about whether I was a Christian or not. Um, because I I had been introduced to so many thoughts and so many questions that nobody could answer. And um, you know, the more I laid there, the more I said, I, I finally just told God, I said, you know, I don't know if I'm a Christian or not. I don't know. All, all I know is that it's it's like, you know, that your life flashes before your eyes. And I just remembered how much I loved him when I was a child, before I knew anything, you know? And, uh, and so I just said, I just want to love you like that. You know that's what I want. I want to love you like that. I want it. I don't care what anybody else says anymore. I just want to love you like I loved you when I was a kid before I knew what sin was, before I knew what all this stuff was. Uh, I want to love you like that. I said if I stay, I want to be remembered for doing something good. That was my number one thing is like, I, up, th- up until this point, I've done nothing that, of value. I've done nothing that I that I see that has made a difference in anybody's life. I asked him, I said, I want to live every day, not just be alive. Because I think a lot of us just kind of go through life disappointed all the time of what we don't have or or what we can't do. And, and I'm just like, I just want to live. I want to enjoy my life and stop this stress where I'm always trying to either make more money or, you know, whatever I think is going to make me happy. I just want to be happy where I'm at with what I have, and I want to live every day. I want to touch as many people as I possibly can um, the rest of my life. I want to make a difference in the world. Whenever I got out of the hospital, all I knew was I have a purpose. God kept me here for a purpose. He said, so be it. I believe him. I didn't have a clue of how I was going to make it happen. All I could say was I had to depend on listening Every day, what do you want me to do? After I got out of the hospital, I was working for a, a direct mail place that, that, you, you know, those coupons you get in the mail that's in the envelope, um, I was a co- company called Money Mailer. And, um, I had a plumber that came up to me and, um, was saying, you know, he didn't, he, he didn't think he could afford to do the, the big one, uh, by himself. So he had a couple of other contractors that he trusted. Um, and he was a trusted guy. Everybody knew him. Uh, he goes, he said, I, I'd, I'd really, I could share an ad with these guys. So I started thinking about, it. I was like, you know what, if I were able to get, uh, a plumber and electrician, a roofer and all these different contractors together that, tr- you know, they trust each other. The good guys kind of knew the good guys. Um, if I put them on one website, then they could all afford to buy a bigger ad from me here at money mailer. And then God kept me up at night just saying, this is, it's bigger than that, John. And, um, and I just, I, I kept laying there thinking about it and I'm, I'm like, I knew how to build little simple websites. Maybe I could build this website. And uh, I could charge them to be on it. Never ran a company before, never managed anybody, but I felt like I was supposed to start this this uh, organization, this company. And I got online and uh, I, I had been talking to a contractor, one of the ones, the last ones I had talked to, and I said, it's kind of like being part of a good contractor's list. And uh, uh, that name kind of zinged me again. I was like, oh, the good contractor's list, that sounds like a great business thing i'm like surely all those domain names are taken all the good ones are taken by now every form of it was available in .com, which just blew my mind that no one in the nation who had contractors lists they were all over the place came up with good contractors list <laughs> you know, i mean that was the most obvious name in the world to me um, as a place where you'd find good contractors I was a part of an organization uh, called C12. It's a kind of a Christian businessman's organization. I tried to get in it really early. I was trying to find like-minded business owners who wanted to, you know, bring glory to God in their business and stuff like that. So I, I did. I started searching around online for a, uh, a group and I found this C12 group. And uh, one of the first meetings I, I was at, I just, you know, I already came in, I already went in there with this open heart of how can I use my business? And I knew I was buying these radio apps. Ads. I felt like God was saying we can we can use that medium to to get the gospel out there. The only thing I'm going to say is this was brought to you by the Good Contractors List, and the rest of the ad would be a gospel message. And so I started I started writing these little messages I felt God was giving me. I ended up with 12, you know, one that uh, lasts a whole year um, to play every month, and they were 54 seconds long. And so we started playing Word of the Month on a secular station first. There are people hearing the gospel on secular stations. Millions of people hearing the word of the month. Um, so, so am I a minister? Uh, you can't call me a pastor. And a, I don't know. I, I'm again. I'm Forrest Gump, just doing what God tells me to do. And and the gospel is going out, and millions are hearing it. One of my Word of the Months I dedicated uh, to Jesus Calling um, because I felt, it. you know, I, I can only do so much in a 54-second ad, but if I can get people to get to Jesus Calling and start reading some of those things, uh, they will sense the sincerity uh, of Jesus's heart. Here's a reading from Jesus Calling on January 9th. I am with you and for you. When you decide on a course of action that is in line with my will, nothing in heaven Or on earth can stop you you may encounter many obstacles as you move towards your goal but don't be discouraged never give up with my help you can overcome any obstacle do not expect an easy path as you journey hand-in-hand with me but do remember that I your very present helper am omnipotent much much stress results from your wanting to make things happen before their times come One of the main ways I assert my sovereignty is the timing of events. If you want to stay close to me and do things my way, ask me to show you the path forward moment by moment. Instead of dashing headlong towards your goal, let me set the pace, slow down and enjoy the journey in my presence. Right from the beginning, I said, it has to be different than anything that's out there. Um, I, it can't be just me saying they're good. I've got to have some skin in the game. So I came up with this: if the job's not right, we'll pay to fix it. A ten thousand dollar guarantee to the homeowner that if that contractor doesn't do what he's supposed to do, we'll get physically involved. And if if we can't if he can't fix it or he won't fix it, then we're then we take him off the list. We take responsibility for it and we pay to fix it. Everybody thought I was nuts. They're like, no way will that work. You can't trust contractors. And um and but but I had a system now and 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 the good guys always do the do their very best to do what's right. And I believed enough that there was enough people out there that were honest that they would support and and make sure that this list stayed available to people. Um, And the only way to do that is to always do the right thing. And amazingly enough, and now we have about 240 contractors uh, that we've uh, gotten. I feel like if we could get out of the way and let God just do what He wants to in us and just trust that He's going to show us what the next steps are, we would do some amazing things. Um, but we just get in that, we, we really do get way too involved in, in trying to help God. God doesn't need our help, He needs our uh, obedience. I want to follow God and go wherever he takes me. And um, and he built this company and there's no doubt you can't look at the at the weak vessel that he used to create it and say that guy was sharp enough, um, had enough clout or you know, I mean there was there was nothing but God in me. So take those bad things that's happening. Take those things that, that you feel like uh, you're you're just being held back. When you're being held back, it's there's a purpose behind that. When you're being transported forward, pushed forward through uh, the Holy Spirit, there's a purpose for all that. Just go with the flow. Let God do His work in you.
1: If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, you can find one of John's contractors at thegoodcontractorslist.com. Since the time of this interview, John has learned the health of his heart has declined, though his doctors marvel at his energy and spirit. If you're willing to lift John up in your prayers, please do so as he faces the next steps with his health. If you'd like to hear more stories about how God can restore life to us, even after pain and loss, check out our interviews with Brett Swain of The Cookery and Next Door graduate Sherry Taylor. Next time on the Jesus Calling podcast, we speak with adventurer extraordinaire Bear Grylls, star of the TV series Man vs. Wild. When we spoke with Bear, he reflected on the way faith has sustained him through his life and how, in his later years, he has learned to understand even more of God.
2: Faith at its heart is say I'll pick you up when you're broken, and I love you and you're forgiven, and here is home, and here is strength, and here is peace. You know, let's do this journey of
1: life together. Do you love hearing these stories of faith weekly from people like you whose lives have been changed by a closer walk with God? then be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling Stories of Faith podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review so that we can reach others with these inspirational stories. And you can also see these interviews on video as part of our original web series, with a new interview premiering every other Sunday on Facebook Live.